Hey, Lurid listeners, would you like a free... Oh, wait. <laughs> you don't got to be that. I don't need to. No. <laughs> you don't have... You can just do it in your lap. It'll still oh, register. Against my... You, my woohoo? Mm-hmm. Okay, here we Especially. go. Especially. Uh, it doesn't do anything. It'll show up. <laughs> well, no, I'm saying it doesn't do anything for me. No. <laughs> hey, Lurid listeners, would That's you... That's here. What? That's right Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Hey, Lord listeners. Wow. (laughs) Can you tell I've narrated a story today? Workplace hazard. Frog throat. I hate that. I can't. Stop it. Stop. Oh, my God. No. N-O. What is that? Why can't I stand it? And and it's a thing. Some people love it. It's a real thing. And I'm not making fun of or or insinuating anything bad about anybody who enjoys that. But no, it's a it's a real. I don't want to call it a condition, but it's a real thing. Is it an animal thing? Like a throwback? Like everything they say is a throwback from our caveman days. It's a weird. I, I don't know, you know, but yeah, it's a, it's not like, just you, Will. It's yeah, some people have a, as much as there are people that love it, I think there's, there's also a group of people like you where it's just, it's completely repulsive. I don't like this. Eating noises. People eating, oh my God, especially when they're just tearing into it and just, like, I think of Sunny in Philadelphia when Mac is just, he's like, win, not wincing, he's gasping and, and whinging or something as Sucking he's eating. Sucking down chimichangas. Like, oh my God, dude. Just take a break. Just calm down. I can hear you Snowed. getting fatter. I can, that's so rude. <laughs> but it's that noise. I cannot. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So is this part of the show? Are we here? We're here. Hey, everybody. Hey. Oh, we're obviously in COVID-19 quarantine still. <laughs> so we're just, I mean, we're just talking about nonsense. So, hey, welcome to the KMQ. We're going to laugh in your laps up with some sexy stories now. <laughs> but, you know, uh, if you want a free episode, I mean, not a free episode, if you want a free audiobook, follow us on Twitter. We're getting lots of new followers these days because they're doing this. Follow us on Twitter at the KMQ. Tag us in a tweet and tell us the title of your favorite KMQ story that you've heard so far. And we will send you an audiobook of your choice from our Audible library. But you do need to hurry because some titles, literally the titles, will, they're Something going fast. Yeah. Um, and then Audible is going to start limiting our ability to do this. Yes. So get on it now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because you're entitled to your sexual self. God damn it. That's right. Gosh darn it. That's right. <laughs> Hell yeah. Get all up in that. Yeah. <laughs> Been there. <laughs> so today's came. Well, do we have any COVID-19 updates that we want to... Besides tell? that we're going nuts? We're, we're, we're a little stir crazy. Nuts. We're stir crazy. We're, I'm like, doing pretty good. Yeah. You're busy producing stuff. I'm yeah. getting ready for bee season. I'm picking up two colonies of bees here in... T minus four days. I'm yeah. so excited. And I only have two hives. I may have to go buy a third hive because we may have we may have a swarm that has moved in. So I'm gonna They're I'm gonna go check. There. I checked. You checked. I didn't open it, but I banged it. Yeah. And nothing. What time of day did you do? Night. 
Well, they're sleeping at night. Yeah, but there was nothing. No, no noise? No noise. I okay. put my ear on it. Oh, nothing. Little pirates. Yeah. Little, they're that's just okay. Stealing. I'm yeah. feeding them. That's fine. I'm happy to do that. <sighs> but <laughs> I'm still going to check for eggs. <laughs> Next time, take the honey when they go. <laughs> no, I was hoping that some lovely buzzers would move in. But anyways. Nope, they're just robbing it. Yeah. That's Bunch fine. Of looters. That's fine. They are. They're looting freaking quarantine bees. They're looting all over. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know the meaning. Um, well, today's story is my story. Yeah. It's not like the story of me, but <laughs> one that I wrote. Um, and actually, I just looked in my little... Um, Dude, not just wrote. Wrote just moments ago. Moments ago. I finished like editing. within... Uh, yesterday. Yeah, yeah. And then narrated it today so we're writing you're writing <laughs> not we you are writing this as we're producing and putting them out there yes which is kind of fun we, and and that's kind of how we used to do it way back in the day so yeah. it's kind of exciting well so the story it's titled pariah semicolon on the run um <laughs> and i i this actually came from a dream that i had uh it's a three-parter um, today's episode is the first part. It's not quite an hour. It's a little less than an hour. Um, Are you sure it's just going to be three? <sighs> yeah, because I have other shit that I want to write. That I, I know you get have out, a backlog just, like crazy. Right, but, yeah, it's getting me all... It's getting my nimbus hard thinking about writing what turns me on and what I happen to dream about and then, you know, fill in all the blank spots um, to share with listeners. And, you know, I know that my stuff isn't everybody's stuff. Um, Your stuff tends to be more um, action, mm-hmm. but also a lot more intense in terms of danger. Mm-hmm. You know, not necessarily in the sex play per se, but not yeah. not, not that either. <laughs> yeah, like I don't, I'm not heavy on the scenes, like the sex scenes, like BDSM uh, yeah. genre. It's more like action adventure and oh my God, we're all going to die. But oh my God, if we have sex, we'll live. <laughs> <laughs> I love cliche. I love tropes. It's entertaining and it turns me on. And that's the goal of the KMQ. I really want it to be fun and exciting and, you know, maybe a little scary, but. You dream an 80s action movie. I do because that's what I grew up watching. Yeah. And those were my heroes, <laughs> those were my daddies. <laughs> <laughs> Men who knew how to take care of situations. And uh, so now I've just flipped it and now it's women who are taking care of situations. But anyway, so I hope you guys like it. I like it. I'm, I loved it. I'm glad. Yeah, I thought it was terrific. I was ready for more. So yeah, I hope, I'm sure everyone's going to feel the same way. Well, it's going to leave listeners on a cliffhanger. Um, after a little. Tell them that. Yes, because I want them to go, okay, good. <laughs> It's not all that's coming. <laughs> Pun intended. Um, so, hey, shall we drop it? Let's drop do it. it. Let's go. All right. But before our story begins, check out our latest audiobook. Libidinous Zombie an erotic horror collection. Indulge your darker cravings with an audiobook that is erotic, horrifying, cunning, edgy, seductive, violent, fiendish, and indecent. 
Oh, and it's super sexy. Libidinous Zombie, an erotic horror collection. Available at Amazon, iTunes, and Audible. Pariah on the Run by Rose Carraway. Scene 1 Pariah ran, but without any kind of sustenance over the last eight days, her strength was failing. The mad doctor's men were closing in, as eager as slavering hounds, and as much as she hated them, the basest, most animal part of her hoped they'd catch up. The afternoon sun shone above the scorched pine forest, and now and again, the carbon-laden breeze shifted, bringing with it the distracting scents of Dr. Frank's men. Ashy late summer winds pushed their erotic stain against Pariah's skin, and it aroused her senses. Graphic, revolving images played in her mind and made her cunt ache at the thought of being captured. She tried to ignore her body's demands, but it was an impossibility. Eight days ago, when she'd first detected the small army behind her, Pariah wanted to fuck them all, right down to the ground. Which is why she had to keep moving, to be free of Dr. Frank and his men. After eight days, her steps finally faltered. Now she could only walk. She slumped against a blackened pine, tired and out of breath. But the scent of Dr. Frank's men came to her more completely. They were less than a quarter mile away. But regardless of how close she was to collapsing, Pariah's nipples tightened beneath her ruined sea-green lingerie. The men's spicy bouquet had awakened her lust, and in the darkest reaches of her mind, Dr. Frank's insidious laugh echoed. She dragged her silk-covered tits hard against the pine tree's charcoaled bark in an attempt to ease the tension in her body, but the sensation only made her groan a loud, frustrated, wanton sound. With a trembling, soot-stained hand, Pariah wiped the tears of frustration from her eyes, and then she heard something closing in. Overhead, long, thwapping blades brought a deafening vortex upon her, a sleek, black helicopter maneuvered in, low and easy, as though threading a needle, and Pariah shielded her eyes against the windstorm of forest debris. A man flung a cable from the belly of the aircraft, and then he repelled downward. Pariah pushed herself from the supportive tree, her senses overwhelmed by the man's scent, sending signals of a new kind of arousal to her blood that railed through her veins like never before. Pariah stepped forward tried to calm her ratcheting breaths. Unimaginably blue eyes assessed her from head to toe the moment the man touched ground, a scant fifteen feet away. His deep voice penetrated the helicopter's bombarding winds and washed over her like warm summer rain. You pariah? Pariah's brain barely registered caution. Please, just let me go, she said, but continued to walk forward, 
crunching burnt pine cones beneath her bare feet. I can't do that, I'm sorry, the helicopter man responded. Dr. Frank's favorite lace panties on her became drenched in seconds as the helicopter man moved towards her. Pariah's heart pounded against her chest as the man approached, his caution evident, exciting even. She took another step and bullets obliterated the dead black pine trees next to her. Pariah screamed as the resulting shrapnel embedded into her face, torso, and thighs. The helicopter man bolted forward, closing the distance and drawing his weapon. He returned fire, and in one smooth motion he hauled Pariah to her feet before she could get the air back into her lungs. He fired into the trees, then examined her injuries. He yelled something into a shoulder radio and then swam his arm around her waist, tight enough that she grunted, and more bullets zipped by. This time, she felt their hot trajectory over her right shoulder, and she shivered at the near violence. The helicopter man aimed his weapon again, pulled the trigger multiple times. The vibrations, as he fired, rippled against Pariah, and she could do nothing but ride the wave of a rising orgasm. Even the bullets that sprayed the ground next to her unprotected feet pushed her arousal to new limits. The helicopter man yelled something into his shoulder radio again. The rapture was inescapable, and then the helicopter man shouted, Hold tight! Instinct made her fling her arms around his neck, made her press her nose and lips and tongue against his scratchy throat to smell and taste his masculine potency. His salty pulse made her frantic with need, and she sucked his skin between her teeth. Not entirely unaffected, the man clicked safety rings. The thumping windstorm, the crossfire, it all became a distant thing when her body gave an abrupt, unnatural jerk. And then there was nothing. Pariah awoke with a start and shoved her palm over a wound that was no longer there. She sat up a little too fast and her vision swam. After the dizziness passed, she looked down. The cream-colored lace and sea-green satin were unrecognizable, covered in soot, terribly bloodstained, shredded by bullet holes. The fluorescent lighting above buzzed and then flickered twice as though emphasizing her newest predicament. Fuck, she thought. She tucked a long blonde band of hair behind an ear, and pine needles fell into her lap and onto the cot. A knot tightened her throat, but she resisted the urge to cry. She swallowed her emotions down and swung her blood and soot-stained legs over the side of the bed. When she stood up, a sharp pinch tugged at the crook of her left arm. An IV. Double fuck. Pariah tore the needle from her arm and watched as the tiny wound closed beneath a swollen bead of blood. The process took longer than usual. She looked around a modest but well-stocked medical exam room. Thoughts of Dr. Frank sprang to mind as the astringent smell of isopropyl alcohol and plastics invaded her sensitive nose. Her gaze eventually fell upon a rolled-up pair of socks stuffed inside a pair of combat boots parked next to the cot. She could smell that they'd never been worn before, and promptly decided to unravel the socks and shove them onto her dirty feet. 
Picking up one of the boots, she wished that a set of clean clothes were also conveniently nearby. Distant sounds of laughter filtered into the exam room as she tied the laces of the first boot. Pariah stilled her hands and tilted her head to listen. She was still weak. It took an excessive amount of concentration, but after a few moments, she felt mildly confident that there was a total of three individuals in a room across from hers, two males and one female. Her heart skipped a beat when she envisioned them all together in a room small as hers. It would be like shooting fish in a barrel. The woman's voice dissolved into laughter. It was a lighthearted sound, and Pariah almost forgot to tie up the laces of her second boot. One of the male's voices rose in pitch, as though he was offended by some joke at his expense. The second male chuckled soon after. It was a deep-chested sound that made Pariah's tummy flutter. The longer she sat there, listening, letting their private gaiety roll over her skin, the more persistent the urge to fuck became. With her new socks hiked up as far as the thick elastic permitted, and her new boots tied tight, Pariah quietly walked to the exam room's closed door and listened for anyone who might be standing guard on the other side. Other than the sounds of conversation and the occasional dish clinking, she heard nothing else, and so tested the door's lever. It was unlocked. She calmed her excitement. Dr. Frank was never this lax. Pariah opened the door, just a crack, and peered out into an empty hallway just as more laughter erupted and she nearly jumped out of her skin. Cautiously, she pushed the door open and slipped into the hallway, saw a pair of closed double doors marked Mess Hall. At the left end of the hallway, another door, accompanied by a black keypad, was marked Hanger. A haunted feeling washed over her, making the hairs on the back of her neck stand on end. She understood, maybe for the first time, that she would never live a normal life. Whoever these people were, wherever they had taken her, Dr. Frank would do whatever it took to get her back. Pariah tucked her messy hair back behind both ears and closed the med lab door quietly behind her. Her heart pounded against her chest when she looked down the curving right end of the hallway at a glass door with the word exit stenciled above it in bold red letters. Beyond was an ordinary-looking parking lot. Who were these people? And where the hell had they taken her? Dishes clinked loudly behind the mess hall doors, as though her happy, unaware trio were cleaning up, and Pariah hesitated, thought about her next move. Regardless of who these people were, her nipples tightened into hard peaks beneath her grubby lingerie as she mentally debated what to do next. The obvious choice to make was on her right, but it had been eight long days. She could sate herself right here. It wouldn't be easy. She knew how weak she was. But there was a particular self-preserving motivation to try. Besides, it had been weeks since she'd last binged. Mildly disgusted with herself for even thinking such a thing, and before her body's need could override rationality, Pariah slinked past the mess hall doors and headed toward the exit. Just as she reached for the handle, the door was jerked open. The helicopter man entered, and his blue eyes made a quick appraisal of her. A smile tugged at the corner of his lips when he looked down and saw her new boots and the hiked-up socks. 
Her flight-fight response must have been on the fritz because Pariah did nothing but stand there for his inspection. Her body grew intensely warm when they made eye contact. I'm glad to see you're okay. He glanced at the bullet holes in her lingerie as though maybe confirming something for himself, and Pariah cleared her throat, drawing his gaze back up to meet hers. Look, um, thanks for picking me up. She licked dry lips and realized how thirsty she was. Don't mention it. I'm Tavares, by the way. The helicopter man cleared his throat, too, switched the small duffel bag he was holding over to his right hand, and then held out his left. Pariah very much wanted to shake it, to feel his warmth, and experience all over again that special connection she'd felt earlier as he'd hauled her into his helicopter. But she knew better. Instead, she took a step back, gave herself a little more breathing room. So, Tavares, do you work for Dr. Frank? She asked, pointedly, trying to ignore the fact that she wasn't standing there covered in so much dried blood and eight days' worth of grime, not to mention wearing only a scrap of clothing. Tavares let his hand fall back to his side, and something like malevolence darkened his blue eyes. Frank Stein is an asshole. No, I don't work for him. I did, however, owe Shelley Hadler a favor, but... Hadler... Pariah didn't recognize the name, and it unsettled her. I'd like to talk to you about her, and I've got a few questions of my own. Tavares looked away, absently rubbing the side of his neck. Listen, I just want to get out of here, she said. But you don't want Frank Stein to get his paws on you again, right? Pariah swallowed hard. She couldn't say with a hundred percent certainty whether or not she did. No, she breathed then added, it's like you said, he's an asshole. Tavares lowered his voice. Okay, good. I'm glad we agree on that. His nostrils flared and he stepped closer. Pariah felt her knees begin to shake. Full disclosure, he said. Other than telling me your name, Hadler kept my team in the dark about you. We don't like being kept in the dark, Pariah. Her name rolled off his tongue like honey, and she wanted nothing more than to fuck him, right down to the ground. But instead, she bit her lip. I've seen a lot of gunshot wounds. None of them bled like yours. None of them healed like yours, either. I'm still trying to wrap my head around some other things, too, but more than that, I... I don't know, I just... He looked her in the eyes, as though trying to suss out something. I find myself needing to help you. Pariah had crossed her arms so tightly over her middle, her elbows were beginning to ache as she listened. Tavares cleared his throat and then moved aside in the narrow hallway. Listen, I don't know that I could ever really understand what you seem to have been through, and I won't stop you from leaving if you truly want to go. But would you reconsider? Leaning in slightly, he added, For once, I'd like to do the right thing. He raised the duffel bag, and his blue eyes seemed to twinkle again. The hot water here lasts upwards of 30 minutes, which is a pretty decent time to enjoy a shower and think about what you want to do. Tavares glanced again at Pariah's boots and socks, and his smile widened, unguarded. I think I can even scrounge up another fresh pair of socks for you. For the first time in eight days, Pariah felt dirty. The suggestion of a shower was more appealing than she realized. She accepted the duffel bag. Full disclosure, she said, and met Tavares's gaze squarely. I'm not the kind of girl you want to play any tricks on. No, ma'am, no tricks. 
ignoring the fact that there were three other tempting reasons why she ought to stick around. Pariah followed Tavares down the hallway toward the showers, and she hoped that she hadn't just jumped from the fire pan and into the fire. Scene 3 Pariah's new marine sweatshirt was two sizes too big, and since she wasn't given a bra or panties, it was difficult to focus on the conversation that surrounded her in the mess hall. Sweat rolled between her breasts as she listened to the other people in the room deliberate. She remained silent, but her nipples scratched against the inside of the sweatshirt with every breath she took. Anxiety over their suddenly missing pilot and the sense of their rising libidos filled the room. Bennett, Crow, Akagi, but especially Tavares, were all feeling the effects of Pariah's arousal. Thankfully, none of them understood why they were suddenly horny as they tried to come up with a new plan. Tavares leaned against the counter in front of the kitchenette, checking his satellite phone. His brow tightened. Akagi had situated herself at the head of the dinner table as she tried, doggedly, to get their pilot on the line. It was evident to Pariah that Casey, the missing man, was more than just a pilot to Akagi. Tavares rubbed his chin, tucked his phone back into his pocket, thinking. Sir, with all due respect, Crow shoved his hands deep into his pockets and looked over Akagi's shoulder at her laptop screen. He slowly shook his head and one sand-colored curl came untucked from his low ponytail. We're about to be fucked. Hallelujah, Bennett sang out. The big man's bearded cheeks turned scarlet with embarrassment. Akagi looked up from her laptop, annoyed. Excuse me, he mumbled, then smoothed his beard. I, uh, don't know where the hell that came from. Across from Pariah, Bennett shoved his chair back. Tavares stepped aside to let Bennett turn on the tap and splash water onto his face. Still nothing, sir, Akagi sighed slowly, rubbing her hands down her thighs. Crow shook his head again. Try again, Tavares said, but he sounded pained as though suffering from a mild headache. Bennett dried his beard, then tossed his used wad of paper towels into the trash can next to the refrigerator. Crow's right, Tav. He adjusted his utility vest, tried to be discreet about the quick crotch adjustment he made, but Pariah noticed. Bennett's pheromones competed with Tavares's, and she let their scents fill her pores. We need to get gone. Stein isn't the type of kind to dick around. Tavares rolled his shoulders, looked at his friend, and then nodded in resignation. Adler fucked us. Again, Crow stated. Doesn't change the fact that we still need to find Casey, Akagi's voice caught in her throat. Stein's too well-armed for us here, Crow said. And then there's the bitch Hadler, Bennett said, clearly pissed. Deciding, Tavares said, let's focus on here and now. Bennett, you and Crow, get us loaded up. Make sure he doesn't forget anything. We'll take care of Hadler later. It's like you said, we need to get gone. Tavares walked over to Akagi and put his hand on her shoulder. Keep trying. Akagi nodded, but then her laptop pinged and all heads turned. North Fort just caught action, sir. Akagi sat up straighter in her chair, brushed her silky black bangs from her eyes. 
She tapped a few keys, then hit one key three times. Then she palmed the side of her monitor. The fuck? Sir, the cameras just went dead. Bennett unholstered his handguns and checked their ammo. In one stride, Tavares was at Pariah's side, gripping her elbow, urging her to stand up. What do we have, 20 minutes? He asked Akagi. Maybe, sir, Akagi responded, uncertain. Uh-uh, forestry guys got the roads cleared today, Crow reminded them. He reached under the table and hauled up a large black duffel bag Pariah hadn't noticed before. Shit. Akagi shoved her chair back, flipped her laptop closed, then tucked it under her arm. Crow pulled a handgun from the duffel bag and checked its magazine. Satisfied, he tossed the weapon to Akagi. Pariah stood there, enveloped in Tavares's nearness, but something in the air felt off. She froze, looked toward the mess hall's double doors, thought she heard something, but couldn't be sure. Her head buzzed with too many other distractions. What? Tavares asked, and then the lights went out. Crow issued a half dozen expletives just before the mess hall doors exploded inwards. Scene 4 Pariah dragged air into her lungs, and she thought the pain was going to kill her. Akagi coughed and cursed. Crow sat up, blood oozed from his nose and ears and down onto his shirt. He made the sign of the cross, kissed his dog tags, then grabbed his duffel bag. It had landed only a few inches away from his feet. On the floor, by what was left of the sink, Bennett shoved rubble off himself and stumbled to his feet. He removed something that was embedded in his massive shoulder and winced. Crow and Akagi barely got to their feet when all hell broke loose. Pariah tried to get up, but she couldn't move. The pain in her chest was too much. It took a moment before her brain understood that she and Tavares were skewered to the refrigerator, together. The end of a chrome table leg stuck out from Tavares's back. He grimaced in pain. The mingled coppery scent of their blood filled her nose and her mouth watered. Stray bullets punctured the refrigerator's steel door right next to her head. One, two, three, four, five. Her ears rang. Yet through the pain and the war that had erupted all around her, she still heard Tavares's words just before he passed out. I'm not giving you back to that asshole. His conviction made her throat tighten. Tears stung her eyes, and she wrapped her arms around him, flinched as more bullets ricocheted. And then there came an out-of-place beep. The beep sounded again, and Pariah remembered Tavares's satellite phone. The table leg held them in place against the refrigerator, but she could reach her fingers inside his cargo pocket just enough to retrieve the phone. Crow screamed insult after insult as he and Akagi held their line of defense. It was Bennett who heard Pariah calling out to them. She held the phone up, and the big man ducked down, crawled over to her and Tavares, where he took in the full breadth of their injuries. Bennett took the phone, looked at the screen, and immediately crammed it against his ear. Please tell me you're here. He sidled closer to Tavares and Pariah. His massive beard could not hide his fear. Pariah rested her head against the refrigerator, hoped that their pilot would be there sooner rather than later. 
Her body was trying to heal itself, but couldn't. She wanted to help Tavares. No matter how close the helicopter was, she knew he'd never make it. Pariah looked up at Bennett as he turned the phone off. He's dying. There was a lull in the battle, and Crow made his way over too, nodded toward the sat phone. Casey? Still on his knees, Bennett wiped his mouth with the back of his hand and said, 30 fucking minutes. He shoved the sat phone into his front vest pocket. I can set a charge. Might give us some time. Crow eyed Tavares and Pariah's predicament. Can we move them? He asked, moving around to assess the full damage for himself. I don't think so, Bennett said, just as Akagi fired three rounds, then reloaded. Together, Crow and Bennett ducked against more incoming fire. They fired back, but Crow left to help his teammate. Pariah put her hand on Bennett's forearm, caressed his sweat-soaked skin. Help me, Bennett. Akagi shouted, a little more help would be nice. Help me save him, Pariah said, sliding her fingers down over Bennett's calloused knuckles, drawing him in. How? Bring me one of Stein's men, alive, she told him. The big man blinked, got to his feet. Pariah watched him turn and run, hurl himself through the exploded hole in the wall. Both Akagi and Crow screamed after him and then decided to follow suit. Tavares's eyelashes fluttered against her neck, and she rubbed his cheek with her sticky, blood-soaked fingers. His skin felt cool to the touch. Hey, helicopter boy, I'm going to get us all out of here, you hear me? All he could do was nod. Shh, you just lie still and wait with me. Bennett's helping us. Pariah hoped she hadn't just sent the man off to die. Scene 5 Bennett returned, dragging a bigger man than himself by the collar. Neither Akagi nor Crow followed, but the gunfight continued robustly somewhere deeper inside the building. Now and again, the walls trembled. I need him on this side, Bennett. Bring him close. Pariah's teeth ached at the mountain of man Bennett dragged to the floor for her. Fuck you, the man spat, and Bennett back-elbowed him in the ear. When the man's pain cleared, his lips drew into a sneer. Well, well, it's the fucking cockbender. Bennett clocked the man again, and this time he lost consciousness. Thanks. She hated that tears blurred her vision as she prepared to do the unthinkable. Hey, Bennett, what's the evilest thing you've ever done? Screams echoed from somewhere in the building, followed by more gunshots and then a grenade. Rubble sprinkled from the ceiling, dusted Bennett's beard. What do you say we talk about that on our second date? Sounds good. She tried to smile. Pariah gathered her strength and interlaced her fingers with Bennett's and said, I need his neck closer. Bennett grabbed a handful of the man's hair and adjusted his head, presented the man's neck. When I'm done... You go help Crow and Akagi, okay? Bennett nodded. Pariah spied the thump, thump, thump in the unconscious man's neck and was done talking, done waiting, finished running. Whatever happened, however ironic it seemed, she just wanted to do something 
good. She leaned forward and tore into the man's neck. Pulsing, hot mouthfuls of blood splashed against her tongue, coated her throat, and she drank until his heart stopped beating. Then it let the lifeless man crumble to the floor. Pariah wiped her chin and rechecked Tavares' breathing. The length of her body tingled, was invigorated, and she reached her arms around Tavares, felt for the table leg sticking out from his back. There wasn't more than a nub of chrome to grab onto. She tightened her grip and braced herself against the refrigerator's door, and then she pulled. She gritted her teeth through the pain and continued to pull until the end of the table leg came free of the refrigerator and then from her chest. She sat forward, heaved and gasped, and her wound closed. Bennett helped her lay Tavares onto his side, the table leg still in place. Bennett's big finger shook as he checked Tavares's pulse. Pariah saw a knife in Bennett's utility belt and pulled it free. She cradled Tavares's head in her lap and then pulled up her left sleeve. Pariah cut a long slice through the meatiest part of her forearm. Her blood filled his mouth, and then she plugged his nose, forcing him to swallow. Two more mouthfuls and his eyes opened. Pariah leaned down, whispered against his ear, Drink. Tavares drank until the wound closed, and then he lay there, sleeping. Bennett sat back on his ankles, unspeaking, hands limp atop his thighs. Bennett gave his head a shake, as though clearing his mind. He's going to be okay. Pariah grabbed the end of the table leg and heaved it from Tavares' torso. Bennett fell back onto his ass, startled. Then he watched the gaping wound in his friend's body close. How? What? How? He stammered, eyes glistening with terror. Let's save that for our second date, Pariah said gently. She touched his hand, but only briefly this time, just enough to settle the big man's nerves. Tavares stirred in her lap, and she pulled the marine sweatshirt over her head and off in one smooth motion. Bennett, Pariah said, you can go help Crow and Akagi now. What are you? Bennett asked, still disbelieving. I, I'm your friend, she said. Tavares rolled over onto his stomach, his nose and lips finding their way to the seam of her sweatpants. Pariah reached for him. Go if you're going to go, Bennett, please. I can't. She groaned as Tavares nibbled the crotch of her sweatpants. Pariah leaned back onto a pile of rubble. Tavares pulled her sweatpants off, tossed them aside, but he left her boots and socks on. Pariah opened her eyes and saw that Bennett hadn't moved. You're still here. I don't want to leave, his voice croaked. Tavares rose to his knees, bringing Pariah's hips up, 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 as he tongued her clit to orgasm. Pariah grabbed her tits and squeezed, the distant sounds of gunfire forgotten. Her cunt felt utterly loose. After eight days, she wanted her fill. Tavares released her, and she turned over onto her hands and knees, propped up by ruined sheetrock and twisted metal. Over her shoulder, she said, You better fill me up, helicopter boy. Tavares growled and undid his pants. If you're gonna stand around, Ben, stick your cock in her mouth. S sir? Don't think, just do, damn it. 
Tavares towed off his boots and shucked his pants, paused only a fraction of a second when he glanced down at his injury-free abdomen. Ben, come here, Pariah purred. Bennett came forward, got down onto his knees. Tavares steadied himself, smacked his cock against her anus. He stroked his shaft and lined himself up with her cunt's opening. I want all of you at once, he said in a rush of breath, dipping his swollen cockhead inside her. All the while, Bennett watched. His big hand rested on the handle of one of his holstered handguns. Ben's nervous. I can smell it on him. Tavares grunted, sliding his cock all of the way into her. He's unsure. There's a difference. She breathed into the crotch of Bennett's cargo pants, groaned as Tavares began thrusting. Her insides expanded to accommodate his size. Pariah let Tavares fuck into her at his own pace. When he reached a good and steady rhythm, Pariah undid Bennett's pants and then reached through his underwear opening. She gripped his rod, and the big man's breath caught. Pariah brought him to her mouth and licked his slit. She sucked his warm, wet salt onto her tongue and then dragged her teeth against his ridge, making his cock jump against her lips. I need your cum, Ben. Sure, okay, take what you want. It's okay. Pariah moved down and tongued one of his testicles into her mouth. She teased his big spongy marble inside with her teeth and smiled when Bennett shivered. Tavares gripped Pariah's hips harder, fucked her more intensely. I'm gonna give you what you need, Pariah. You'd better fuck me harder than that then, helicopter boy. You better fuck me right down to the ground. Pariah braced her knees, sucked Bennett into her mouth as Tavares pumped. But she couldn't suck Bennett for very long. Her teeth were already making it difficult. She didn't want to injure the man. Tavares, so far, seemed to acclimate to things better than she could have hoped for, at least for now, based on his cunt-shattering thrusts. Wait, hold on, she panted. Ben, lean back against something. Breathing deeply, Bennett managed to scoot back against a pile of rubble, and at the last second, he removed his utility vest and belt. Pariah straddled his thick waist, grabbed fistfuls of his beard, and kissed him. His cock slid into her pussy, and she coated his length with her juices. Then Pariah kissed his cheek, turned around, and tested his cock against her anus. She spit onto her fingers and eased herself down, lubricating him along the way. Tavares moved in, pushed Pariah back against Bennett's barrel chest, and then he thrust into her without preamble. Mine, he whispered, against her nipple, sucking it painfully into a tight bud. Pariah arched and hissed. As it was, she could hardly breathe between the two men. But when Tavares moved his kisses to her mouth, he took hers over, tongue penetrating, teeth getting pointy and nibbling. Blood slicked both their chins. Bennett stayed busy, his large hands greedy with her tits, but he soon grunted hot, whiskered breaths against her ear, and Pariah reached back, grabbed his beard, and received his cum. Her teeth grew longer, pointier, and Tavares's thrusts slowed, became more deliberate when he broke their kiss, tongued the edges of his own teeth, and found they weren't dissimilar from hers. Pariah felt her body tensing, building toward orgasm. She needed to come, wanted blood. Shoving her hair out of the way, Pariah exposed her neck to Tavares. 
She grabbed Bennett's hand and made him finger her clit while Tavares moved in and out, in and out. It didn't take much to get Bennett rocking into her again, and she rode her wave of ecstasy, pulled Tavares to her neck, panted against his ear to bite and drink. She bit into his flesh, too, and she drank, and the three of them were filthy, moaning and humping, until Crow and Akagi and Casey climbed through the rubble and found them. What in the hell is going on in here? Crow said, blood-soaked and tired. was Pariah on the Run, written by me. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Rose Caraway, but follow the show at the KMQ so that you guys don't miss out on our audiobook giveaways in our downtime. We're spending all these hours with our, our closest lovers, and we want to give you some fodder, so we're giving away audiobooks. Tell us your favorite KMQ episode, and we will send you to our Audible library to pick an audiobook, and we'll send it right to you directly. You can follow me at Rose Caraway and Big Daddy at Big Daddy Dave. If you want more sexy stories and would like to support the show, go to Amazon, iTunes, or Audible and search Rose Caraway. Don't forget to leave us a sexy review. Audio production by Big Daddy Dave Caraway. The KMQ would like to thank these wonderful musical artists. Kai Engel, Nylor, Maiden, Machette, and the feature credit song, Strange, J. Hacha de la Zola, and the KMQ introduction music by Vivich. The Kiss Me Quicks Erotica podcast is a Stupid Fish production and is brought to you by Libidinous Zombie, an erotic horror collection. Stupid fish. Been a little, gave, given it a little more than loose cunt writing. <laughs> I, you know what? I came away feeling like it was quite smooth. Oh, well, that's good. And you were in the mode, like you were in the groove. <laughs> so uh, well, I didn't come away from that, you know, but I didn't. Do you want this on or off? I don't mind it off, but. <clears throat> I'll just let know if I'll be able to. Oh, my Lord.
Oh, Lordy, it's a fire. All right. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Scared me. <laughs> Why are you so jumpy? <laughs> because something popped. And Okay, so we're doing... I don't know why, but... There's two chapstick these. <sighs> Those are my lube sticks. Those are for looping up I the I got a lube stick for you. <laughs> this lube stick is flavored like cake batter. <laughs> Yours <laughs> is not. Mine is baby batter. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't taste as good as cake batter. Wrong. Just saying. It tastes better. It tastes like Jolly Rancher. <laughs> well, you like it so much. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs>